Hey everybody, welcome back to the Priority One Book Club. As always, I'm Caleb. I'm Hoyt. I'm Andrew. And we, if you're doing your math at home or have read the title of this year episode, on the third episode of our series, Working Through Hebrews, meaning we're in the third chapter. So good job, you little counting you doing your maths. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> counting you. Yeah, you counting you. One plus one plus one equals the quick maths. Yeah. What? One plus one plus one equals the quick maths. Equals three quick maths. One plus two plus two is four minus one. That's three. That's quick math. Okay. Joe Biden said that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, okay. So let's go ahead and just dive right in chapter three, shall we? Off the high dive. Yeah. So we're going to start. Let's just look at the first six verses. What you want to read them? Yeah. Read them's verses. Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession, who is faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses also was faithful in all God's house. For Jesus had been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much glory, as much more glory as the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant. To testify to the things that were spoken that were to be spoken later, but Christ is faithful over God's house as a son, and we are his house if indeed we hold fast our conf- our confidence and our boasting and our hope. All right, Andrew, would you go ahead and turn to Psalm one twenty seven, and we'll get there for why that's important in a, in a little bit. But what is so important about the confession in general as Christians? Why why do we put confession on this pedestal? Why it's such an important thing to do? you confess with your hearts that Jesus is Lord, something like that. There's a verse all about well, that. Well, so that there's the confession in the sense of like Romans 10, 9 and 10. Uh, you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he rose from the grave and you'll be saved. For it's with the heart that one believes and is justified and with the one that, with the mouth one confesses and is saved. So there's the initial confession where like we've made Christ Lord of our life and we're confessing him as Lord. That confession has to be genuine. Otherwise it's illegitimate. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we confess Christ as Lord and that is part of our salvation. Like we make Christ Lord of our life in that sense. Um, I think it goes but, to a, uh, an ethical thing too, where uh, telling the truth to someone or being honest with yeah. people like as someone has testified to us about Jesus. They were honest in telling us the truth about life. I didn't think about that. Yeah. They were honest in telling us the truth about life. Um, so we ought to be honest and live by the truth. Like there's almost a sense of obligation there. Yeah. Yeah. Or you don't want to keep that news to yourself. Right. I didn't even think about that. That's awesome. Yeah. My, my mind immediately went to like confessing your sins as a believer. Yeah. I went there like, first. And I was the, like, okay, first well, John one nine. Right. Know, if you confess your sins, and he is faithful and just to uh, forgive your sins and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. All unrighteousness. All unrighteousness. Um, so, like First John one nine is where my mind immediately went. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, we, we see that like our our confession is part of like receiving forgiveness. Now, does our confession of sins inherently save us? No, it's the belief in in Jesus. That's what saves us. Right. 
Right. Um, it's but the it's, work that Christ has done in our hearts that saves us. But it's through the belief in Jesus that we would confess our sins. Right. So like there, there's – go ahead, Andrew. Look, you want to say something? It's very hard to believe in Jesus if you hold on to the sin of this world. Yeah. Yeah. It's Being very, that he says to it's very, flee well, from it. Well, maybe not so much belief. It's hard to have that saving faith in Christ without okay. confessing your sins. Um, so in, in a very real sense, there's the liberation aspect of it. When, when you – uh, like say out loud, like yeah, Jesus, I'm I'm struggling with uh, like I want I want to steal stuff. Like I'm, you know, I have that desire in me. Like God, I'm angry all the time. Like God, I'm depressed. You know, like those kind of things. There's a very real liberation that comes with like saying that out loud and bringing it to God yeah. and asking for God's help with it. Um, but at the same time, like there are very real things that very real fruits that we see in the life of believers and a spirit of confession is one of those uh so like we we understand that there's not a one and you're done repentance like the spirit of repentance comes when you're saved uh like when you get saved you're and you repent there's the spirit of repentance where you feel conviction for your sins and you don't desire your sins the same way you did before you were saved where all of a sudden now you hate your sin like you're still going to sin you still have that fallen nature but you hate the fact that you sin and your desire is not inherently for that um in the same way we have a spirit that the holy spirit that being that spirit inspires us to confess that convicts us to the point where we confess our sins because there's that very real liberation aspect of it. And um, I guess pleasing to God and we bring those to him and we make it known because on one level, he's we're, we're admitting that only God can fix our sin. We can't fix it. Uh, we're acknowledging that God's God's the only one that has the capacity to fix our sin. And on the other level, um, we're demoting ourselves to, a, it's, it's a very humble thing to do. Um, to confess your shortcomings before God. Uh, so, how th- my my personal one of my personal grievances with the Catholic Church is their doctrine of confession. That in order to be absolved of your sins, you have to go to a Catholic priest and confess any sins you can recall since your previous confession, and then you may be absolved of your sins. That's not really what we see in scripture because like while we do, while there are like earthly priests or whatever, like you could call anybody that's serving vocationally in ministry a priest because they hold a vocational ministerial office. We have direct access to the great high priest that is Christ. If I confess my sins before him, what need do I have to confess my sins before another man? I think the Catholic Church just wanted to get dirt on the people around them. Well, actually, maybe. I don't know. I, I would have to do some digging on that one. But, yeah. What were your thoughts? Um. Yeah, I, I've never understood uh, the idea of going to a man in a box with a wall in between you. I don't know if that's how it's done everywhere. But <laughs> um, confessing just to him that your sins, like you said, may be absolved. It... uh makes the Christian idea of God very impersonable and um, really goes against scripture. Like that's not found anywhere in scripture. 
to in fact go do the that. opposite of that you know human mediator between us and god is present here in hebrews as we'll get to and yeah there's a two weeks something like that you'll get to it eventually yeah there's a verse in uh in james 5 it says like confess your sins to one another so that and i'm trying to think of the so that part No, I mean there there is a very real value in I, okay these headphones I cannot figure out which one goes in which ear I, I, I can't figure it out you you have them right the way you're holding them the, okay this is right okay nope nope wrong way wrong way oh my gosh you had them in the right arms I did okay nope so so the the this cord goes behind I know your it goes ear. behind your ear I'm like but you it. you have it the wrong way right now flip it yeah so it goes in my right ear no you you had it right the first you keep every time i tell you you flip the connector is this correct yes but turn it 180 degrees nope this way yes now that goes on this ear. on my right ear okay anyway this is so hard these are really nice headphones but they're Okay, if it's yep, that loop goes over and behind I your had, ear. I had it right. Okay, so I did it right first try when we were recording the episode prior to this, but yeah, you have that one the wrong way. The cord's facing the wrong way. Oh my gosh! So James five, the cord still uh, facing no. the wrong way. I don't know. The this cord, is... the the loop goes that way. Like the loop, the the plug sticks towards the front of your face and loops around behind your ear. Nope. The cord comes behind you here. You have the cord in front of your ear right now. You have it backwards still. Caleb, <laughs> this is painful. Like the, the, the cord is behind <laughs> your ear. Behind, oh my goodness. Caleb Collins is a helpless man. <laughs> what now, did you do? Now Hoyt can't figure it out. No, I got it. It's just all. I'm helpless. I did this right the very first try for the last. Okay, it got, it got, okay, it's not my fault. The cord was janky. No, you, because you kept twisting it around. Okay, we're good. We're good. We got to figure it out. Bueno, this is why I don't normally use headphones, but. This is why Caleb can't have expensive headphones. <laughs> yeah, more so to do the fact that I always break them. Anyway, that, that, that's that's really comforting for Andrew while I'm with you. <laughs> James five sixteen. Don't do that. So uh, if you break those, the the actual like earpieces, they're about I don't know hundred fifty dollars a piece. If you break the cord, it's so about sixty bucks. James so five. Please don't break them. To James five. James five sixteen says, "Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other, so that you may be healed." The prayer of the righteous person is uh, powerful and effective. I have, I have that memorized in a completely different version. Hold on. I want to see if it's... Was that ESV that you just read? Yes. Um, yeah. I think I have that memorized in NIV. Let me look that up real quick. So, confessing your sins to the, uh, to the priest, however, is a different uh, thought process. It's confessing to him that he would offer them to a saint right or mary well uh, and then it goes up to jesus it, it gets, and then goes it to gets God. weird in that sense so basically you're putting the authority on the priest right and you're elevating the status of the priest instead of the priest being another fallen sinner like the rest mm-hmm. of us right and i'm, I'm not i'm not 100 percent squared up with the catholic doctrine regarding that particularly yeah 
But yeah, the idea that we need some kind of intermediary to intercede on our behalf other than Jesus really kind of falls in the face of what scripture says mm. in multiple places, not just here in Hebrews. Right. But Andrew, is this something you were gonna say? Yeah, okay. Um, so looking at verses one and two again, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll read those again. Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession, who was faithful to him, who appointed him, just as Moses was also faithful in all God's house. So, who was him who appointed him? God. Yeah, and who was the one that was appointed? Jesus. Yeah, we're all squared away there. Some, that's some cool Trinitarian stuff. It is. And some cool church Sunday school answers. Yeah. Sunday school answers are appropriate. Yeah. Yeah. I like how in verse 2 it points out that he was faithful to him who appointed him. Yeah. There goes Jesus modeling the life that we should live, being faithful exactly. to our creator. Yeah. So now that begs the question, why is Jesus superior to Moses? Like what are some just off the cuff reasons that Jesus is superior to Moses? Um, yeah, Andrew. Moses sinned. That's the second one I have written oh. down. Yeah. Because Moses disobeyed God's direct command to a couple of times speak to the rock and then he went and struck he it with his staff whacked it yeah and god still provided for the israelites but then he said yeah moses you ain't getting into this promised land you done messed up you done A-A-Ron. screwed up except moses <laughs> moses Mososis. uh moses <laughs> moses um technically was able to do some like signs but it was you know, God working through him to change this staff yeah. into a snake. Moses himself did not part the Red Sea. Yeah. That God did that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a cool God thing. Yeah. So what what are some other reasons that Moses is inferior to Jesus? Moses had a stutter. I don't think Jesus did. It doesn't say that Jesus did. It doesn't say it often Jesus says did. Jesus spoke with authority. So I like to think that a man with authority had probably a loud booming voice and controlled a room and probably didn't stutter much. Exactly. This is also true. He was a man. He had calluses on his hand. Yeah. He didn't walk around with, his, with flowers in his hair and had birds on his shoulders and constantly doing the peace sign. Okay. So what are some other reasons that Jesus is superior to Moses? He didn't murder anyone. Jesus did not murder anyone. This is true. He himself Moses, was murdered. Moses murdered a man. He, he did. did. This is before. And then tried to bury him in a, in the sand, which is a rookie mistake. <laughs> sand, <laughs> sand blows away. You, sand does blow away you buffoon. in the arid region of Egypt. Yeah. So just a couple of things that I had you know, acknowledged. Like one, Moses isn't God. Yeah. Jesus is. That's mm-hmm. a good starter. Moses yeah. also tried to make excuses to get out of what God told him to do. This is also very true. Um, and the only other one that I've written down is Moses couldn't fulfill the law. And this is kind of a theme for all of Hebrews. Yeah, is that we can't fulfill the law. Yeah. It's kind of a th- theme of the whole Bible. It it's really almost, is. It's almost like the law is there to point out that you can't do this. Exactly. I.e. you're lonesome. You need someone else. You need atonement Are for what you, you can't lonesome do. Yeah. tonight? Yeah. So, and then I'll, I'll just read verse six again. Uh, verses five and six. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken for later. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. 
and we are his house if we indeed hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. That's just a really cool picture of Jesus being the being, being the carpenter, like being the builder of the house, um, which is the church, like which is us. Like so, on a couple of levels, it's a really cool picture because you know Jesus was a carpenter. Really cool allegory there. But we, as the church, are called to be the bride of Christ. Okay, that that Christ loves us. Like I said, men are called to love our wives the way that Christ loves the church. Like we're the bride of Christ. And Jesus builds the house. We commune in it together. Like we, God himself through Jesus, the person of Christ, second person of the Trinity, is establishing his church. So on a lot of levels, it's just really cool how it all, how that picture kind of works together. Um, so would you read the first couple of verses of Psalm 127, Andrew? Maybe just the first verse. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stay awake okay. in vain. Yeah, I could have so, only read the first half of the first. Yeah, verse that's what that I, that's what I meant. Um, I couldn't remember if that was one and two or just one A and one B. But anyway, like unless God builds the house, which we see clearly here in Hebrews three verses five and six that jesus is the one that builds the house jesus is the one that puts it together and holds it together unless he does that then it's going to fall apart so if you're listening to a city in a valley you're hearing all about this fellow named joseph smith and the church that he established the lds church latter-day saints uh the mormon church and like that you you know that in last week's episode we talked about like there's a bunch of different branches of mormonism out there now and like to talk about that but there are so that's not to say that there aren't bad quote unquote Christian churches. We would just say that's just not a Christian church, but it's, it's to point out that anytime you see men trying to uh, supersede God's authority and make themselves out to be some kind of God or some kind of God like figure in that faith, it all turns to crap. So it's another verse that says many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. That's a proverb, isn't it? Yep. Proverb. I have no idea where it is. I have absolutely no clue where yeah, it is. Not, not even an iota of a clue. Yeah. I think it has a two in the reference somewhere, but you know, there's a very distinct possibility that a, it does. There's a decent chance, but you know, uh, there, there's a two in every single chapter of Proverbs. So there's a second verse somewhere. So I think there's most chapters in the Bible. Yeah. If not all. There are a couple of three-verse psalms. Like Psalm 131 is only three verses long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's still a two in there, though. There's still a two in there. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, just a really cool picture of you know Jesus putting the body of believers together and holding it there. And uh, like we know that we can trust the foundation of that house because Christ put it together himself. And it's not man-made is not man-assembled right right so let's move on to verses seven let's just go ahead and read seven through the end of the chapter um andrew's looking for something so i'll go ahead and i'll read those Uh, i was i was just going to read seven through the end of the chapter therefore as the holy spirit says today if you hear his voice do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. 
Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, they will, they always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my, enter my rest. Then starting in verse 12, take care, brothers, lest there be any of any of you in evil. Lest there be in any of you in evil. I'm going to figure it out, I promise. Unbelieving heart leading an unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. As it is said, Today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all who left Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was he provoked for forty years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were unable to enter because of their unbelief. Well, it's looking at me like, ooh, there's some stuff there. There is some stuff there. We're going to talk about it. So starting verse 7, the Holy Spirit says, is a phenomenal reminder to me that it is not just the New Testament that is inspired by the Holy Spirit. If you look at, it's it's not so much visible if you only look at the Old Testament, but if you look at the Old Testament through the New Covenant lens and we see the work of the Holy Spirit now, everything in the Old Testament was inspired by Scripture. Uh, everything in the Old Testament was inspired Scripture, inspired by the Holy Spirit. That's what I meant to say. Mm-hmm. So like, if you think about it, every piece of, Every piece of scripture was written by either a prophet or a king or a judge, someone that was uh, either had the Holy Spirit in a different way than we do. Like we have the Holy Spirit indwelling us, but prophets were equipped by the Holy Spirit to prophesy, to lead well. Uh, We see in 1 Samuel, Saul was given the Holy Spirit so that he could lead the Israelites well. And then when he failed to do his job, the Holy Spirit was taken away from him. Now that's not the same as our salvation personally. Like when you when you get saved, you're saved, signed, sealed, delivered, you're justified. But you have the Holy Spirit that'll convict you of any sin that you do. Whereas Saul had the Holy Spirit like upon him, but not indwelling him. The Holy Spirit was there to equip him. Um, and then we see like with David, same thing. You know, he had the Holy Spirit to equip him to be a good leader. Uh, and we know that he wrote a lot of Psalms. You know, he, he read scripture himself. And even in the case of someone like First Samuel, like we see Samuel die in the book of First Samuel. So we know that Samuel didn't write all of First Samuel. What we do know is that it was probably someone that was directly under his authority and was writing that under the authority of a prophet. The same way that someone like, um, Luke could have written the gospel of Luke and the book of Acts because he was under the authority of Paul. Mm-hmm. So the Holy Spirit still inspired scripture the exact same way as the Spirit does in the New Testament. Just really cool to see the continuity of scripture and everything. Any thoughts before we move on? I'm sorry, I was yawning. What'd you say? Any thoughts before we move on? No, he hit the nail on the head. All right. Um, so verses 7 through 11. This is a quote from Psalm 95, an excerpt from Psalm 95, and all I really have noted for this 
is this is a great example of how not to respond to the gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, like today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Excuse me. I had a hiccup. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I'm going to say this. <laughs> me, my brother, and my dad are the only people on the face of the planet that I know that have those one really loud, aggressive hiccups, and then, then we're just done. Yeah, I, I don't. I, I can genuinely say I don't hiccup that aggressively. Few do. <laughs> I did it like twice while we were eating, oh, and that's the, the worst when like guy. the food's halfway down, and you yeah, hiccup. That's tough. Yeah, what's worse is when you like, like a hiccup and a burp at the same time. That's. <laughs> Thank you, Hoyt. Excuse me. It's a beautiful sound bite right there. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, Hoyt Hendricks. <laughs> but. Breaking news, you should not harden your hearts against the gospel. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the way that that's what I would like to combat with like Romans nine. You know? Like uh There's a lot in Romans nine. There's a lot. But like with the hardening and softening of hearts, right? I th- it's like God is sovereign over that, but like if you harden to the gospel, harden your own heart to the gospel, yeah. He'll harden your heart. Mm-hmm. You know, because you've he's been gracious to you to like say, Hey, look. Here's my gospel. Yeah. Come on. But yeah. if you say no, yeah. he's like, okay. Make it harder for you. I think when we were going over this, we went back and in a, all in a of- very dumbed down way. Sorry. I wasn't finished. Go ahead, Andrew. I think when we were going over this, we went back and read all of Psalm 95. Because like it starts off uh, talking like uh, just about like the greatness of God and then like the, kind of like the command, O come, let us bow down and worship him. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pastor and the sheep of his ha- eh, are, and the sheep of his hand. And then it goes into the quote, like, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Yeah. So it goes through, talks about all that God did, what he created. It says that he, in his hand are the depths of the earth, the heights of the mountain are his also. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Therefore... Let us bow down and worship the Lord our God. Yeah, and this do not is, harden your hearts. And this is like a historical psalm telling the story of telling telling like a depiction of the story of like Moses uh, when he was a prophet and leading the Israelites in the wilderness, and they hardened their hearts against him. They hardened their hearts against him and against God. Uh, but this is also a great warning not to do the same with Jesus, because if we flip back to the second chapter of Hebrews, I'm going to read the first four verses just to kind of put things in context again. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For since this mess, since the message declared by the angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect the salvation as great as this? It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to by those who heard. While God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles, and by the gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to His will. So we see that there is a great uh, discipline, a great punishment for rejecting the gospel. And this is, this excerpt from Psalm 95 is a great warning of what not to do because that's going to happen if you do harden your heart against the gospel. So, yeah. Um, and then in verse 8, uh, v- verse 8 says that uh, basically like we're going to be tested. Um, we as Christians have to understand the fact that God is not going to tempt us. 
And we've talked about this on the podcast, on the Priority One podcast before, uh, talking about 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Andrew, you want to quote that? For no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you might be able to endure it. Then there's also the other verse that t- goes on like talking about, and when you are tempted, let you not say, for God is tempting me, for God himself yeah, so tempts it's, no it's, one. It's in James chapter 1 is what I was going to uh, bring up. James chapter 1 says that God does not tempt us. Uh, and that that's an important thing to understand because like God doesn't take joy in our sin. Mm-hmm. God doesn't, I mean, it's vile to him, our yep. sin is. And we don't understand the gravity of that. Go ahead. Yeah. He allows the devil to tempt us. You see exactly. that in Job, the devil appears before God and says, well, what about your servant, Job? And God says, yeah. you can do this, but he won't turn away from me. Um, which is always like for a long time, like I was saying, there was like, well, why does God allow Satan to tempt us? Because as soon as he defeats evil, then he'd have to defeat us who are destroy those who haven't right. chosen to follow him. And, you know, he's a gracious God. He wants to give people the time to do that. Yeah. And if you think about going further back into James chapter one, account all joy when you face trials of various kind because like ultimately you know that the testing of your faith will produce steadfastness and let steadfastness, steadfastness have its full effect that, that you may be perfect and, com- in perfect and complete lacking in nothing i think i memorized I I perfected in him lacking in nothing but i think you're right. i memorized that one in niv i guarantee it i think i did too because i didn't use esv tells in college and memorized that in high school so whenever i started like memorizing like verses i started off in niv because that's the bible we were using and then our church switched to esv mm-hmm. so i got an esv bible then yeah. yeah so now some verses are like half and half it's even worse as my john three sixteen because like half of it's king james and there's a little bit of niv and a little bit of esv thrown in there yeah i mean there are some cultural things that i just quote straight up in king james like the lord's supper i quote in king yeah. james because that's how everyone's but i throw a whosoever and uh John three sixteen. Yeah, whosoever believes in him shall not be eternal life. Yeah, everlasting life. I always say eternal life. I always say everlasting life. Well, I think I, I, at one point I said everlasting. I think I use eternal more now. I think it's eternal adapting. is what's in the ESV. Yeah, whatever the Hawaiian pigeon one says, that's what I use. <laughs> the, the Hawaiian pigeon the forever one. life. <laughs> yeah, for God so loved the world that He sent His one and only boy, me. That <laughs> is that what it actually says? Oh yeah. That oh, it's, it's, it's something along that. It's probably it, ten more words, but it's hilarious. It's um, for God so love or for God love of the world so much that he sent that he sent me his one and only boy, that whoever be- should believe in him shall not you know perish forever, but have that real kind of life that lasts forever. Yeah, the real kind of life. Yeah, it's funny. All right. Right. I discovered that on, on, on the spring break mission trip. Is, it was a hoot. Yeah. And we talked about, as far as regarding temptation, we talked last week, I, I believe we talked last week about uh, temp, the C.S. Lewis quote about temptations. God will, um, we, we will never fully understand the grasp of what it means to be truly tempted beyond our ability because ultimately, like at a certain point in time, we, we sin. Like we do resist, and Scripture says, resist, "Resist the devil, and he will flee you." In James chapter four. Yeah, but imagine a temptation that you, there was no chance of resisting. Like you don't even yeah, get the option we, to. We won't ever experience yeah. that, which I am grateful for. Exactly, and all of all I'd to say too, as far as like 
uh, the verse from verses from James, like uh, God doesn't tempt us, but like He will allow us to be put through trials. Yeah, you know, Hoyt. I know that. So when I when I met Hoyt, Hoyt got big real quick. Hoyt, Hoyt was doing the weightlifting thing. Yeah, I'm and, getting back into it too. Yeah, uh, and I lifted weights in high school. So Hoyt, would you ever get stronger if you didn't break down that muscle? And like, oh. so I could go in there and I could take the ten pound dumbbells and do a hundred curls. That's not going to make me stronger. Mm-hmm. I might get, I might have some more endurance for something, but unless I pick up the fifty pound dumbbells, the sixty pound dumbbells, working my way up, I'm not, ne- I'm never going to get stronger. Mm-hmm. Unless I throw on, if I'm only ever benching the bar, the forty five pound bar, I'm never going to get stronger. You get super cut if you just do sure. burnouts with the bar, but but I'm not going to get stronger. Yeah, no, you know. Uh, so like the, the the illustration of weightlifting is great for this too because it's never going to allow for me to uh, grow in my faith if that faith is never put to the test. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's a little cool I, thing. I, that was actually the first message I ever uh, oh preached. yeah first Methodist yeah first Methodist. I did James one and I used a weightlifting analogy too. I also called it the Mamba mentality. Oh my gosh, it was relevant because Kobe had just died. R.I.P. R.I.P. And I'm that all about being relevant. Me. You are. <laughs> all right. So verses, tw- looking at verses 12 and 13 now. Wait, would you turn to Second Corinthians in your Bible, please? Yes, sir. Chapter 11. Too far. And would you read verses three and fourteen? Not three through four. Not three through fourteen. Just three and fourteen. 11, 3, and 14? Yeah. Okay. 11, 3, and then all of chapter 14. <laughs> 2 Corinthians 11, 3 says, But I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. And verse 14 says, uh, And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Okay, so... A big problem that the church back then faced, and in more discrete forms today, we still see it. But back then, the church faced was Gnosticism—the idea that you know you could uh, achieve a higher level of sanctification through secret knowledge, um, and that the secret truth could be found. You know, it was heavily mystic, uh, but at the same time, it could be lucrative because, like, hey, by the way, there's this thing that you need to know, and this thing you need to know, and this way that you can become this, that, and the other. Um, there's secret knowledge that you can obtain that you need to obtain ultimately what what happens is we end up with jehovah's witnesses and we end up with mormonism and we end up with a lot of other different kind of cults i think about um oh what was her name from tennessee and oh my gosh when shamblet is that her name i uh, well she she was the weight loss christianity chick oh from the yeah 90s. Gwen Shamblin. Shamblin. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I didn't know her name, but I've heard about this lady. Yeah. She she died in a plane accident a few years ago. And there's a documentary about her on HBO Max. It's really wacky stuff. But yeah, yeah. So th- that kind of thing. Well, even on a smaller level like that, um, there was the idea like, hey, if you're fat, then you don't have enough faith. So you need to fix that. And then she had like her whole weight loss plan that you can pay for. Andrew's trying to turn on his. I just kicked my desk. That hurt. 
<laughs> okay. Anyway, back to Jesus. Um, if you're a fat, you didn't have enough faith. <laughs> yeah, basically that's what. We'll faith over fat. Faith over fat. There, there's, there's a, a surplus of body fat in this room. I guess we're just not faithful enough. I don't know. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I'll read verses twelve and thirteen again. Or Andrew, want to read those for me? Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Okay, so what does every day that is called today mean, Andrew? Right now. Yeah, every day. Every day. Right now. It is Every day. From right now. At some point, every day will be called today. So, it's but, a high school musical too. So, nope. talk so to is it today? Exhort one another. Exactly. Tomorrow so, never comes. Tomorrow morning, wake up and ask yourself: Is it today? Exhort one another. Yeah. So, but in all of this, like we're, it says, take care, brothers, lest there be amongst any of you an evil and unbelieving heart. Like that needs to be uh, sincerely um, taken care of. Like the, the, as believers, we have to take sincere care of that to make sure that other people are not leading um, us astray. So, uh, because like other things in the world can be lucrative, and like when you ask the question, "Am I my brother's keeper?" Yes, you are. Like that is your brother in Christ. Like you should find nothing but joy in making sure that they are being uh, taken care of in their faith and that they're staying and remaining faithful. And then um, verse 13, uh, I think that in a lot of ways we go, we uh, think about sin the wrong way. Um, We think about it as, as far as people that leave the church, we see people leave the church and all of a sudden they start living these sinful lifestyles, um, regardless of whatever it may be. But I think that's really backwards from the way it is. Is someone that leaves the church, and that this is not one. This this is kind of a secondary issue. I think uh, someone that leaves the church, in my opinion, someone that denounces their faith was never saved to begin with. Mm-hmm. That that's kind of a borderline primary and secondary issue. We'll talk about but, it. In Hebrews and yeah, like two to six, a few, t- six. a few times, <laughs> a few times, yeah, yeah. But we'll 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 start covering it in like two weeks, yeah, three but weeks. Someone that leaves that denounces, and I say leaves the church, but someone that denounces their faith, renounces their faith in Christ, was never saved to begin with. Because if you're saved, you're indwelt with the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit can convict you and lead you back towards Christ, not away from the faith as a whole. So, uh. Yeah, I'm gonna so, read Galatians six one because probably slipping there. Yeah, it's either going to be you're not really renouncing your faith, you're just confused in the moment, and the Holy Spirit will convict you and bring you back, or right. you were never saved to begin with. Yeah, and um, we're yeah. really spoiling the the chapter <laughs> five or six, whatever it is. So uh, Ephesians six one, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you are you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. So should you go and scream and slap your brother in Christ across the face when they mess up? No, yes. be gentle. Uh, 
<laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Uh, I, have a, I have a different translation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but going back to what we said in the first episode, anyone that sits down and like genuinely looks for answers in Scripture finds them. There are those that uh, like pick and choose things and don't genuinely look for answers because they don't want to find them. But anyone who sits down with questions and wants to find the answers to those questions finds them. That's that's what happens. Because I don't I I don't see that anybody that is genuinely seeking after God, God would not draw them to Himself. Like it's God's desire that no man should perish. And if I'm opening myself up to God and I want God to uh, work in my life, then He's going to. So, just just a reminder, like hey. We think about sin the wrong way. We think about it as I am leaving the faith and I am now going to do whatever I want to because I don't have this restricted faith holding me back anymore. In reality, those desires are what cause people to fall away. Mm-hmm. It's my sinful desire of this, that, or the other that causes me to fall away from my faith and renounce my faith. Just a thought. You're actually enslaving yourself more. Right. Um to which you think is best, which will lead to your own condemnation. Yeah. Um, and then verse 14 kind of hits on the same thing. Uh, what, want to read verse 14? 1 4. For he have come to share in Christ, if he four, indeed. Four, 14. That's what, he's reading. That's what I'm reading, big dog. Uh, my bad. My bad. I'm talking about chapter 1, verse 4. You know, no. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. Yeah, so if we're truly saved, we're going to have that assurance until the end. Mm-hmm. Like if you're if you're truly saved, then there's the assurance beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are a believer. Like that doesn't change depending on your circumstances. I think even like some Christians struggle with that. Like they struggle with understanding like it's not based on anything you've done to save yourself, you know. But it's the confidence in God that you yeah. believed and you are saved. Right. Like you said in the beginning, like signed, sealed, and delivered. You know, God promises that if you believe in him, he will, you know, grant you eternal life. And if you doubt that, go look in the Bible and see where God has ever broken his promise. And that's how sure his promise is. He doesn't break his promises. Yeah. Yeah. Very comforting. God doesn't ever break mm-hmm. his promises. Um, and then uh, kind of just wrapping everything up, verses 16 through 19 really do a good job of echoing echoing uh, chapter two verses one through four and i already read those in this episode so i won't go back and read them again yeah, let's just just go go back uh like five ten minutes and or go listen to last week's episode again we'll oh, wait yeah welcome, welcome back. back so we've gotten good at that we've gotten yeah. very good at that i think it's the the starting to do the hand signals yeah, yeah, yeah. i'm sure because some like, might say we were in sync uh, i called justin timberlake uh, bye 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 I'm more of a Lance Bass doing... guy, personally. Because you know he's from Clinton. He's also gay. Okay, well, that's, <laughs> you didn't have to say that. I was thinking it, but you didn't have to say it. Just kidding. We Gosh. love Lance because he's from Tupelo. He's a Mississippian. Shout yeah. out Lance. His, mom, from, his uh, mom was in junior auxiliary with my mom. Oh, y'all must be best friends. I mean, it's basically. Back to the Bible. Wait, his mom is calling. And your mom? We should yeah. listen to the call of the Holy Spirit to go back and talk about the Bible instead of some gay he guy's mom. Okay, that's probably a good point. Verses 16 through 19 do a good job of echoing that point. Andrew, you want to read verses 16 through 19? 
For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt by Moses? And with whom was he provoked for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. Okay, and this is not just like every, everyday sin kind of these, these are the people that God led out of Egypt and then they chose to reject that he led them out of Egypt and he called Moses up on the mountain to give them their law and he came back and they were worshiping one of their gods from Egypt and they had re- they were wor- they were worshiping erected a golden cow and then that Aaron cast that Aaron cast and then Moses broke the tablets and then had to go back up and say God I know you gave me these laws but I broke the tablets to symbolize how they had broken them already can you give them to me again and then they go on and they rebel and sin again and you know god sends snakes upon them and then they have to look at the pole that moses cast because like god sends snakes and then they all go oh no what do we do what do we do god please help us and then god helps them because he's merciful and then they do it again and he opens up the ground and swallows some of them and it's a whole cycle then they sit there and complain and he gives them quail to eat because they're complaining about his provision through the manna and then they get sick of the quail and complain again and it's this whole horrible cycle, and you know it kind of mimics our lives today. Yeah. Quill's good though, <laughs> not a lot though. of it though. Bacon wrap quill. Well, and while we're going down that trend, you know, we saw that same cycle over and over again in judges, um, and they did what was right in their own eyes. Like every, it would happen over and over again. Um, God's people would turn away from Him. It's a nice, then, it's a nice sine wave, yeah. is what it is. But it increased in amplitude. Because every time the duration of their enslavement would be a little bit longer. Yeah. And had some yeah. modifying function on it and just went. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was an exponential sine wave. Sine squared X. Yeah. Si- sine X X. Something like that. Something like that. Anyway, um, <laughs> guys talking about nerdery stuff. But this is a this is in a lot of ways echoes chapter two, verses one through four. It's like, hey, this is what happens. This is what's gonna happen when you reject the gospel when you're disobedient to give your life to christ to what he's calling you to do so that's hebrews 3 in a nutshell by the way lance bass is from clinton not too blue no i think i thought he claimed too blue no he was an attache huh he was an attache attache clinton's high school show choir anyway any other thoughts about hebrews 3 <laughs> Lads. I just think it's it's an interesting fact. Like when you like when I was going through this, I always like to consider oh, well, who's he writing it to? He's writing this to Jews who would study like the story of Moses and the Exodus and whatnot because that was the Pentateuch and that was one of the biblical writings that they sat there and studied. And yet, when Jesus comes and fulfills all these prophecies, they don't fully believe him so then the writer of hebrews spends all this time trying to convince them using these examples from the right. old testament how much greater jesus is and why you should obey his commandments just as you try to obey moses's and i just think that's cool yeah mm. yeah agreed agreed all right guys thanks for tuning in to the book club this week hebrews 3 put a stamp on it you know it's coming next week hebrews 5 so close ah, so- <sighs> Six, you dummy. Oh, I forgot.
Hebrews 4. Yeah. Four. Tune in next week. I'll be going through that chapter. See you next week. I'm Hoyt. I'm Caleb. And I'm Andrew. Love you. Mean it. <laughs> Come back next week for more of the Library of Learning about Hebrews. Bye.